You're listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. I want to talk to you again this morning. This thing's just been on my heart. It's, I want to talk to you about some of just the basics about trusting God, first of all, and just give us some real practical things on that. And the, the word that came up in me a few uh, weeks ago, as the Lord began to talk to me about this, was this word undeterred. And uh, it's, it's a, we, we kind of went through some foundation last week on this. And again, as always, if, if you want to catch up on this, you can do it through podcast. You can do it on YouTube. There are free CDs out there if you still like CDs. Um, but we started talking about this. And, and the, the point is, let me give you a, an example or two. You know, as we're going through life, we, we talk about having faith in God. We're put, putting our trust in God. And, and I, I mean, the term faith obviously is the Bible term for this. But if we want to think about trust, want to think about confidence, want to think about reliance, sometimes we take it out of, uh, we give the same idea to a non-Bible word. It, it doesn't just bypass our brain that's been hearing faith for all these years. And so what we're talking about is living with an actual confidence in and reliance upon God on a daily basis in every aspect of our life. Okay, that's what faith is. And so I gave you some things that faith was not last week. And, and we'll go through a little bit of that. I mean, I'll do a little bit of review here. But basically the idea is if we're walking in faith, we're living our life by trusting God, we, don't, we want to be un, undeterred. We don't want to keep getting pushed aside, turned aside. And I'll, I'll give you a definition about that in a minute. But, but it essentially means to be turned aside in our faith. And, and the story that came up in my heart about this this morning was just, you remember when, uh, you can find this in Mark 4, Matthew 13, Jesus was teaching, he was even teaching on how when the word's sown into our heart, it produces different things depending on how our, uh, where our hearts are in that. And, and he spent actually the whole day teaching parables, teaching people there. And then, and then they took off, he and the disciples took off in the ship across the, uh, across the sea there. And they ran into a storm and he was sleeping in the back of the boat. And so he had been giving them his, he'd been speaking to them. He'd been teaching them all day long. He'd been speaking the word. And, and Romans ten seventeen tells us that that's how faith comes into our hearts. Trust in God comes from hearing him speak to us. And so people had been, the disciples had been hearing him all day long and they get into the storm. And, and the first thing that came to their mind, he's sleeping in the back of the boat. So obviously there was no storm where Jesus was, you know, I mean, he, he was living in a peace that didn't have a storm going on in it, but they, they had this storm going on around him and they woke him up and they said, don't you care about us? You don't care was their, their thing. How can you let this thing happen in our lives? You don't care about us. And his response to them was, uh, our nice new translation say, where's your faith? He actually said, why are you so cowardly? And the question is, where's your faith? And he was, he, I don't think he was just mad because they woke him up, you know, still had pillow marks on his face and stuff, you know, and he's just ticked off because they woke him out of a sound sleep. It wasn't like that. I think he was asking him a little, a legitimate question. What happened to your faith? You know, because you've been hearing the word all day and now something comes into your life and they were deterred. They were derailed 
from the trust that had been put in their hearts. Every one of us, if we're honest, have had that experience in our lives. Well, God speaks something to us or the word comes alive to us and, and we have this confidence we're going forward and this is what God's saying. And then something comes in that is contrary to what we've been hearing God say. And if we don't handle that situation right, we will get deterred. We'll get, we will get derailed there. So let me give you that word. I don't think we looked at this. Uh, and, and I think it's a good thing just to ask ourselves, what kinds of things have come into my life or come into my life sometimes that turn me aside from faith in God? I'm not saying you lose your salvation. I'm saying you, you move into fear or you, you struggle. Or, or a lot of times the, the evidence of that is that all of a sudden something that we were believing God that he was going to bring or, or build in our lives, all of a sudden we start doing it for ourselves. That's usually what happens. We, well, then I've got to take over my finances. I've got to take over running, you know, my, my business, my family, my relationships, my marriage, you know, whatever it is. I've got to depend on me is what I'm trying to say. That's when we know that faith has been shaken. We're no longer trusting in God. When we're trusting in God, there are things we need to do, no question about it. But there's a difference between that and having our reliance on ourselves or somebody else or something else that can provide for us in that situation. So I think it's a good question to ask ourselves, you know, what kinds of things have done that to me? Because I want to watch for those and I want the Lord to instruct me in those areas and, and teach me and show me, you know, what is it in me that gets so shaken when this particular thing happens in my life? Why does that, Lord, why does that make me feel so insecure? Why do I react in anger when this happens? Or why, why do I get off track with you every time this happens? Because He'll show you, he'll teach you, he'll grow you in that area. And then the devil won't be able to use that one anymore. You know, we just start disarming uh, the devil in our lives when we do that. So this, this word undeterred, the word deter, okay, it means to turn aside from the pursuit of a goal. To turn aside from something that you are pursuing. It, it means to detour, to be derailed. Okay, here's, here's what, I, I really like this. I think this is so appropriate to this discussion. This word deter means to discourage someone from accomplishing something, okay? Discourage them from accomplishing something by instilling doubt or fear or a threat of possible negative consequences or outcomes. That's exactly what the devil tries to do. And when we think about that story there, uh, of the disciples in the boat, it was a storm. And they know the possible outcome consequences of a storm, possible outcome of a storm on that lake. They'd grown up there. They were, a bunch of them were fishermen. So they knew that. But here's the storm that comes. Well, that turned into, on the inside of them, it, it didn't turn into, oh, there's a storm. It turned into, God, you don't care. Jesus, you don't care. That's a, huge, that's a huge turn, but that's what happens. We've got to look for what happens on the inside. What is it that deters us? And then we have to be able to go to God and say, Lord, I struggle with this. I clearly struggle with this. You've got to remember he's on your side in the area of faith. He's your partner. He's not standing back waiting for you to trust him enough before he'll do anything. He's actually wanting to 
impart faith to us, but we've got to be able to go to him, be vulnerable and say, Lord, what, what is the deal? Where did this come from? And it may take some layers, it usually does, but he'll work us through it. So it's to discourage somebody from accomplishing some, something through instilling doubt or fear, threat of possible negative consequences. It's to dissuade by instilling self-doubt or a fear of failure. By instilling self-doubt. So where does that happen? I'm supposed to be trusting God. I'm not, yeah, but you have to, there is a place of trusting yourself in trusting God. A lot of, most of our insecurities come from things about us. A lot of us can say, I know God's good for it. I know God's good for it. It's me that's the problem. Well, okay, that's probably true. (laughs) That's probably true. But to move from that into self-doubt, I can't connect with God. I'm not able to connect with God. You know, that, that kind of thing. That's where we'll get deterred. And honestly, a lot of times that's where people kind of go into religion instead of relationship and they start to try and do the right things and be in the right place and look the right way and that kind of stuff and that's that's it's all dead we we really need to have the relationship with him and and have the the changes and any transformation any behavioral changes that are going to come up those need to come from the inside and from him so the word deter means to scare off i like this one too to scare off by intimidation intimidation you can't do this. You're not good enough. You know, you're not good enough. You're not, you don't, you don't fit in. You don't, I mean, there are all kinds of things that the devil try and use to lie to you about, you know, to intimidate you. Scare off by intimidation, discouragement, or demoralization. That means to destroy your morale. Means to remove hope. I've failed again. I've blown it again. I can never be good enough. You know, it's that kind of thing. And again, religion teaches that. It teaches us to fall into this measurement of ourselves. And it's kind of a, you know, it's one of these things we've got to work out on the inside. Our behavior does matter, but God is on our side. Jesus carried our sins so that we could connect with him in a vital way and receive from him, and be transformed by him. And that's not just a one-time thing. That's not just when you give your life to Jesus Christ. It's your whole life from there on. We've, Jesus made the way of access for us so that we can draw upon God. And then God does change things from the inside out. He does change who we are. But if we get into this, we get in uh, to this place where we just get discouraged about ourselves that doesn't go anywhere. You know, it's one thing to come before the Lord and say, God, I blew it. I need your help. I need your forgiveness. I'm sorry. I turn, I repent from that. And Lord, help me. We may have to do that a lot, but it's another thing to come along and say, I'm unworthy. You know, I, I, am, I can never get there. Um, those kinds of things. He will, you know, the, the devil will try to demoralize you, to keep you uh, from pursuing God, to deter you, to, to scare you off course. Okay, so the word undeterred means to persevere in the pursuit of a goal or purpose despite pressure to give up, or intimidations, setbacks, threats, to continue in the face of contradictory actions or evidence, to continue to believe and trust God in the face of contrary evidence or evidence actions. 
Okay. All right. So here's some things we said last week, and then I, I want to uh, get into some new things this morning. We talked about the fact that the, the faith that we see in the scripture, first of all, we can, we can look. We were looking at Hebrews 11 last week. We'll probably look at it some more next week. We were looking at these people that live by faith. I mentioned some things about Joseph to you. I mentioned some things uh, uh, about some various people. And, and so we can look at those and we see faith in these people. We see this trust in God. I mean, Hebrews 11 is a great place to go because it just delineates, it just lays it out, what these people did and accomplished and how they stood up. And, and the great thing about the Bible is it tells you their worst days and their best days, both, you know, so you can see they were regular people, but they did incredible things because of faith in God. But that same faith, it's the same faith that, in fact, uh, Peter, when he was writing to the church, you know, he was an apostle and we can put the apostles on some other kind of, you know, they had a different calling maybe in initiating the whole thing, but they, they, were, they were the same. He said that you, the church, share a like, similar, like, precious faith with us. It is the same faith. And it is the same faith that we see in people in the scripture. It is the same faith that the Lord imparts to us through his word is the same faith. And I think every one of us are called to do amazing things in our generation. And that amazing thing may be raising great kids. That's an amazing thing, by the way. Uh, it may be, you know, it doesn't, you, you don't have to go out. By, Justin talked to us about this a couple of weeks ago. People get this idea. I, by myself, Jesus has called me by myself to change the entire world or to reach the entire world. Jesus hasn't called you to do anything by yourself. He has called the church, called his people to be who he is creating them to be and allow him to flow through them. And together, we can change the world. But it's, it's not all on you, okay? But, that, but we have that same faith given to us. And it is, we talked about being immovable in the face of opposition. It is transferable, our faith, from one generation to another. And that's so important for your kids to see who you are, what you're doing, not just hear what you say, but see your faith lived out uh, in real time and in real life. It is transferable. And we're going to talk some more about that, I know, because that's such an important thing for us to learn how to live by faith, a faith that goes beyond our lifetime, a faith that pulls on things that we will never see, a faith that draws things that God wants into this earth. That's, that's just so important. And then we talked about the fact that faith endures through all kinds of societal and political turmoil and change and all that. It's worked in there again, I love the scripture because it gives us a whole bunch of different societies and kingdoms and, and different places where the word just kept working where God, where the, the gospel works all over the world. That's an interesting thing. And since he's not here this morning, I can talk about him. Um, that's an interesting thing. Justin and I were talking this week and he's just, you know, he's been a lot of places. They've been missionaries all their adult lives. And uh, he'd argue with the word adult, but anyway, <laughs> so would I knowing the guy. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, uh, and so we were talking about this this impact, and, and he wrestles with this a lot in his own mind of, okay, the gospel is the gospel. It's the same. But how do you impart it to this culture? They have this whole framework that is totally different from mine. 
how do you impart that message to this culture? You know, and, and I mean, that's true all over the world. That's why it's so inter- interesting talking to missions people from different places. You know, that the gospel is the same. It endures through everything. Okay, faith is not vague. Okay, it's not this, um, we talked about how uh, some, some people carry a, a, or they use a term, and, and the Bible uses it this way sometimes of just, well, I have my, my faith, and it's sort of this vague, um, I, I have this belief system, I think is how I would say that. I just have this, it's my faith, it's very private. I don't let it impact my daily life. I don't let it impact my politics. I don't let it color what I think. Or that's not the that's not faith. That's not the kind of faith that we're talking about. The kind of faith that we're talking about, and the way that Scripture uses it most of the time in the New Testament, it's very specific and it is personal. But it absolutely transforms everything that we think and what we do. It does. It does change everything that we do and the, and our whole worldview. It's it's not just generic and and it it produces this kind of really bold confidence. Uh, doesn't mean, again, it doesn't mean, it, it means that I'm willing to risk rejection and insult and whatever, because this is what I know to be true. It, it, and the problem we have is that a lot of times we, we have that stance in our hearts and then we become hateful and unkind toward people who don't have that stance in their hearts. And that is not the message of Jesus Christ. But neither is the message of Jesus Christ that we should not have an established belief and know what truth is. And there is truth and there is error and the Lord can show us which is which. And then our point is to help rescue people who are trapped in error, not to condemn people who are trapped in error. Does that make sense to you? Okay, so let's look at a couple of verses this morning. Uh, You can go over to Psalm chapter 37 with me this morning. It begins talking about trust or faith in the Lord. And what I have up there is from the Amplified. I'm going to read a couple. I'm going to read this to you from the Amplified Bible, the, the real Amplified Bible that came out in the 80s. And then the new Amplified Bible, the fake one that came out in the last few years. They're both really good here. And they phrase this just a little bit differently. I love this verse. This verse is one of those, another one of those verses just ministered to me for years and years and years and years. And it's very simple. It says, trust, lean on, rely on, and be confident. So again, trust or faith is a confidence that relies upon. You can be confident about something, but not put the weight of your life on it, right? You don't, you don't take any risk on it, okay? I'm, I'm confident. Right back here at the back of the property, uh, there's, a, there's the, the ditch that runs back there. It carries water to the city and everything all summer. And there's a little, uh, I wouldn't even call it a bridge. There's a plank or two across that water. And so that you can go and you can get on the trails back here and get on the contour and whatever up behind the college and you can go right out the back of the property and go over there. And so we've always done that. Well, that has, I've told myself for years, probably need to replace that thing. I mean, I can't, it was an old rotten board across there, you know, and I'd be going across there carrying my bike with my bike shoes on, you know, leave here at lunchtime or whatever, go back there. And, and this thing was, you know, it, it had started out as a two by 12 and now some places in it were about this wide and it was rotten and it flexes. And I imagine for little kids, it was okay, but you know, I'm going across there. It, it was not something 
I wanted to rely upon. I believed it would carry my weight. I could see that it was a board, but it wasn't something I really wanted to put my weight on, although I did a whole bunch of times. I was never comfortable with it. Now somebody finally did what I should have done and replaced it with something better. But there's that difference between just having confidence and having confidence that relies upon. And this is the kind of trust that this verse is talking about. It says trust, that means do something, lean on, rely on, be confident in the Lord and do good. So shall you dwell in the land and feed surely, get that, feed surely on his faithfulness and truly you shall be fed. Okay, and then the new Amplified says it this way, trust, rely on, have confidence in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land, I like this, and feed securely on his faithfulness. Feed securely. The one says, surely feed on him. The other says, feed in a, in a place of security. Sit down to a table and eat in security. Okay, so there's, there's security found in trusting God. So this thing has just struck me for years that this verse simply says, trust in the Lord and do good. Okay, trust in the Lord and do good. The idea there is, is that the trust precedes, precedes the doing good. The trust comes first. Trust in the Lord and let that trust motivate your behavior. Let that trust motivate your direction. Let that trust motivate your life. You are created with this capacity on the inside to trust in something. I believe that was designed for us to trust in God. But we are all created with the ability to trust in things and based on that trust, do something. Let it direct your life. And again, I believe that was created, that was designed in us to trust in the Lord. And it's a very simple idea. Trust in the Lord and do good. A lot of times we get that turned around. We think if we do enough good, then God will like us better. And then maybe he'll provide something for us. It's saying, deal with the trust issues first. Deal with your faith first. Faith comes by hearing. So I've got to intentionally give myself to places and positions and situations where I can dive into the word of God, where I can have face time with God, where I can be in a place of worship, where I can be under his anointing and in his presence. And so I can have this face-to-face with God that will produce trust for him in my heart, and that trust will motivate what I do. And when we look at Hebrews chapter 11, if you read it in the Amplified Bible, that's, it, it keeps going back to motivation with all these different people. You know, moved by faith, this one did that. Driven by faith, this one did that. Motivated by faith, this one did that. It's just, a, it's, faith is a motivator. It is, it is something that moves you into action that is based on something that you've seen about God, something that you trust about God. And so in any relationship, in any relationship, trust is given as as a response to faithfulness that is shown. Okay, when somebody is faithful to you, they tell you the truth, they do what they said they were going to do. They, they show that they love you. They take care of you. They act it out. You know, they, they, they think about you. They think about your good. They'll actually sacrifice 
on their part in order to do something good for you, then that builds trust. Trust is given. We talk about this a lot in situations where trust has been violated, that trust is lost in bucketfuls and regained in spoonfuls. I mean, it's just the way it is. When, when trust is violated or broken, and the worse the violation is, the longer it takes for trust to be rebuilt, if it'll ever be rebuilt. You can forgive somebody and never trust them again because they're not showing any faithfulness, you know? And again, I don't really want to get off on this, but a lot of people get confused about that when they're thinking about forgiving somebody who's really hurt them. And they say, well, I can't do that because then I have to trust them. I have to have this intimate relationship with them again. No, you don't. You can forgive them and release them and you need to for, for you. You need to get that unforgiveness out of your heart. Get it out. It's poison. Get it out. But, you only, but then trust, if it were ever going to be rebuilt in that relationship, it has to be rebuilt by faithfulness shown. It, faithfulness has to be shown. And, and so the point is that with God, he's always faithful. He doesn't change. He's always good for his word. He's always faithful. And he is always demonstrating his faithfulness. To me, and this has just kind of gotten in my heart, at the cross, he already demonstrated his love and faithfulness to me 100%. No matter what else I might think or be confused about, I, he came and he died for me and he didn't have to do that. Okay, So, so that's got to be the bottom line. But God is always faithful so for us to grow in confidence in him, because faith, faith is imparted to us. Again, Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So as we interact with him and, and he breathes into our hearts, faith comes. But for faith, to, Jesus talked about people's faith being weak. He talked about it being great. Faith can, faith can go up and down for sure. We can have absolute confidence in God in an area at one time in our life and at another time, we can feel like we lost all that confidence. But the thing is, it can be regained. We just have to be intentional. Are you getting this? We have to be intentional about feeding on his faithfulness. He says, you know, trust in the Lord and do good in that kind of relationship where you're trusting in God and you're letting that motivate your life and your direction and your attitudes and what you do it says you'll dwell in the land. That, that word dwell means to settle down in. It means make a home in. And it means feed from the production of, feed from the abundance of the land. It's when, when uh, in the Old Testament, it talks about dwelling in the land. It means having a home. It means being permanent. It means a place of, you know, it was called the land of milk and honey or the land of promise. That term, I'm getting way off track here, but that's okay. Probably not. Um, that term, land of milk and honey. Okay, to us, it's, you know, it's kind of flowery poetry talk. The land of milk and honey, to the Hebrew mind at that time, milk represented health and nourishment. So it was a land where you would be nourished, you would be healthy, you would be strong. And the term honey spoke of, of things that were uh, sweet and, and joyful and, and prosperous and uh, abundant in that sense. And so it was this place, what they were being promised was this place where life would work well and you would have that abundant life. And this scripture says, as you, as you 
have this trust in God and do good lifestyle, then you can settle down in, you can dwell in the land. And while you're there, okay, while you're settled, while you're living a permanent life, feed surely or securely on his faithfulness. That's something we have to do intentionally if we're going to stay strong in faith. If we're going to keep our confidence up, we need to intentionally remind ourselves of God's faithfulness. How do you do that? You think about where he's been faithful to you. Write it down. Have have a notebook. Have a have a have a notes app that doesn't get lost and and uh, get damaged so that you lose it all. But, you know, have it written down somewhere so you can go back and you can say, oh man, that's right, God. I remember when we didn't think there was no way we were going to get our rent paid and you, you brought it along. You paid our rent. There was no way. There were times where we had times in our life, we can recount them, where we didn't have any groceries or any money. And neighbors who didn't know all that, showed up at our house with bags of burritos. It was awesome. Homemade burritos, not something from 7-Eleven, okay? Uh, Anyway, I mean, people showed up. God has been faithful. We have those testimonies. But also, I can look at the scripture. And I can look, if I can't think, if I can't remember today any place where God has been faithful to me, I can look at the scripture. And I can see where he has been faithful. Just think about the basics. Think about the fact that he created us. We rebelled against him. And he made this way of salvation by coming and dying for us. That's faithfulness. That ought to be enough right there. But it says, feed surely, consistently, securely on his faithfulness. That's not just a flowery term. That means feed on his faithfulness. Sit down and eat it. Sit down and mentally chew on it. Mentally remind yourself of it. Praise him for it. Thank him for it. Stir it up on the inside of you. That's what keeps confidence strong. And it says, and truly or surely you shall be fed. Jesus said that his his word is like food for us. It is nourishment for us. Being in his presence, being, you know, he sets a table before us in the very presence of our enemies. It's a place where we sit down and we feed on his presence. That's because we need to be fed. And let me, let me give you, as we'll start, I won't say we're wrapping this up, although we are sort of. Um, I want to look at a couple. Let's go over to Romans chapter 5. Let's go over to Romans chapter 5. I just want to show you a couple of practical aspects of this, this idea of plugging in intentionally connecting with God, thinking on his nature, his goodness, what he has done, the places in your own life where he has ministered to you and letting that put you in this place of confidence. I mean, why is this place of faith and confidence so important? If we don't want to be deterred, if you don't want to be the person who gets up the road, I just had this conversation too with somebody. They were talking about a situation Uh, in another part of the world where they were involved. Well, let me back up. Let me back up. So we already said faith comes by hearing God speak, right? That is the primary, that's the only place actually. That's the only thing that, that the scripture says, here's how faith comes. 
It, here, it comes through intimacy with God and him breathing his words in, into your heart. Okay, that's how faith comes. We also know that feeding on his faithfulness, meditating on who he is, that'll increase our, our confidence in him. Experiencing the miraculous and experiencing a move of God, experiencing God healing your body or doing something in your life that's just absolutely impossible, that can increase faith <clears throat> if you handle it right. But seeing miracles does not necessarily impart faith to your heart. And I was talking with somebody who loves God, walking with God, has a solid relationship with God just recently. And they were actually in a situation where they were on a mission trip. Uh, the guy who was leading this whole thing called him in the middle of the night, said there are these people up here on the hill that uh, the husband just died and uh, we need to go over there and raise him from the dead. Okay, so they got up and went with them and there were a group of people there that had shown up, were praying for this person. Guy had been dead apparently long enough that there was an odor, you know. I mean, he was dead, dead. Uh, and so, not just a deep sleeper. Okay? <laughs> he was dead, dead. They prayed for a while and it took a while, but anyway, this guy coughed and, and he can, and apparently, I mean, these people have, have in this place, They've seen this a number of times. This guy was raised from the dead. And they kept, and it was kind of interesting because they kept praying for him. They, they gave him something to drink. They gave him something to eat, which remember Jesus did that too. They could give him, you know, told him, give him something to eat. You know, apparently when you're dead, you wake up hungry. But, uh, you know, they, anyway, they, they, so they ministered to this person, some just praying and others taking care of the person's physical needs. And, and this guy was raised from the dead. So this person came back to the U.S. later, and um, not the guy who was dead, the missionary, uh, came back to the U.S. later, and, and he said it wasn't, it was just a number of months later, in his mind, he realized he was thinking, the guy must have just been in a coma, must have just been. He started doubting the whole thing that he had been involved in intimately, he knew, and he still knows the guy was raised from the dead. But those doubts started creeping out. And so we were talking about this whole principle that seeing miracles doesn't produce faith. Look at Israel. I mean, the Red Sea, the manna, daily miracles, daily miracles. And they'd still doubt God. We have to remember that whole principle. We've talked about it a lot of times that when we see something, when we see God manifest himself in a miraculous way, We've got to let that experience point us to the part of his nature that it manifests, so that he's showing how much he loves. He's showing that he is healer. He's showing uh, that he has victory over death. He's showing that he will meet all of my needs, that he is the need meter, okay? That he is the provider. We've got to let the miracle point us to an encounter with his nature because when that is breathed into us, that produces faith. So while miracles can be really encouraging, they can strengthen faith, they, they can do whatever like that, they, they do not create faith. Faith comes from intimacy with God, from hearing him speak to us. So it's important to realize there are these different aspects to this. Seeing miracles is great. How, you know, meditating on his faithfulness. All those things are an important part of this. But we've got to be hearing from God. We've got to be connected and spending time with him. So did you find Romans chapter 5 yet? So this is what it says. We'll start in verse one, actually, just because uh, it's so good. Uh, it says, therefore, 
since we have been justified through faith, that means we have been declared not guilty by God. Talked about that a few weeks ago. We've been justified through faith. We have peace with God. That word peace means right relationship, means there's a peaceful relationship. There's no antagonism in the relationship between us and God. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And get this, verse two, through whom, through whom, so through Jesus, we have, this is the New International Version, it says we have uh, gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. We have, through Christ, we have gained access by faith into a place of grace in which we now stand or live. You talk about dwelling in the land and feeding on his faithfulness. Our land is grace. Our land is is the full provision of God's favor and grace. It is right relationship with God based on the work of Jesus Christ, not based on anything we have done. That's our land. That's where we get to dwell. And in that place, we get to feed surely on his faithfulness. But I really want you to to think this through with me. Let me give you a couple of words there. It says, we have, the the, uh, New International says, we have gained access. That's fine. But the King James just says, we have access, all right? And that word have to, that we have peace and we have access, that word in the Greek means to be in absolute continuous possession of, okay? We have access by faith into grace. We have access. It's ours through Jesus Christ, through what he did at the cross. It's ours. We're in continuous possession of it. It doesn't go away. Your access does not go away when you sin. It does not go away when you have a bad day. It does not go away even when you ignore God for a while. You still have access through Jesus Christ, all right? Just think about it this way. You are in Christ. Does Jesus' access to the Father ever go away? No, then neither does yours, okay? That word access means the right of approach and audience to a king. The right, because you can't just walk up to the throne, right? Secret service shoots you, all right? You can't just walk up, all right? But you have the right of access and audience. You get to talk to him. You get to ask him. You get to listen to him. You get to have a conversation. You get to have a face-to-face. That's what this is saying, all right? You have this right of approach and audience with the king. And then we have to remember that, and then it says, this, that faith accesses grace. It accesses grace in which we stand. And we remember, we've studied this many, many, many times. Grace is a condition of divine favor and ability. And that's the part most believers never hear. Most believers never hear. You'll hear it a million times in this church. But it's, so, it's, so it's, it's, it's favor, but it's also ability to be what you couldn't be on your own, to get it free from the sin you couldn't get free from on your own, to break the bondage you couldn't do on your own, to be gifted and do something more than you could ever do on your own. And grace always actually releases this divine ability. So when grace is flowing, when grace is moving, 
it releases God's ability. It releases God's power. And I just, I want you to think about this because this is why it's so important for us to have confidence in God. That's why, because faith plugs in. If you don't get anything else, just listen to me for the next few minutes. Grace plugs, or faith, I'm sorry, plugs in to grace. All right, so I want us to think about an outlet. You know, there, there are outlets on the wall and we can plug things into those outlets and that allows power to flow from that outlet. And, and that outlet is just over there. It is always alive. It is, it all, the power is there. It is provided. It's there. We don't have to go out and I know we can, but we don't have to go out and turn it on, turn it off. And if you think about the power that's in those outlets, that's behind that, and I know some of you are going to argue with this right away. Uh, you're never, if, if we had, I almost brought one of my little desk lamps in here. Little desk lamp like that. Where does that power come from? That power comes from all the outrageous power of all of this snow that's melting and running down the river and going through turbines. There's all this power released in the motion, the flow of that water. In that flow, it's releasing all this power. And there's more there than we could ever use. There's more there. There's more right in that outlet. If I turn on a light or I run a power tool, you can run it until the power tool dies and you're not going to use up the power. And that's the way it is with the grace of God. Jesus, it's, it says all the promises of God are yes and amen in him. It says that we have been given that Every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus by grace, all of that life, all of that power, all of that freedom, all of that forgiveness, all of that deliverance, it's in him. It's, it's there. It's ready to be drawn upon. And it is faith. And it's, and it's there by grace. It's like that outlet to me. It's like the, the holes in the outlet that let you plug something into it there's access to that power, right? There's access there. Grace is what gives us access to the life and power of God. So what do we have to do to use it? We have to plug in. And it's faith that plugs in. And so some of us are walking around, and, and this phrase has been coming up in my heart now for, gosh, a couple of months. If you disconnect you'll be disconnected. And we watch this in the, in the body of Christ. We watch people connect and then they disconnect. And then after a while, and, it, and listen, I'm not, this may sound this way, I'm not being critical here, okay? This is just a phenomenon. It's like if I plug in the lamp, the lamp comes on. But if I unplug the lamp, <laughs> the lamp goes off. And there's no light coming out of it anymore. But if I just plug the lamp back in. We all know how to do this with the lamps. But the problem is that when we disconnect, we get disconnected because we're disconnecting from a relationship. It's not just an outlet. It's a relationship. And if we disconnect from personal relationships, we get distant, don't we? We, we don't know much about each other. We don't know what somebody's thinking anymore. We get distant. That may be, that can be more or less harmful. I mean, there, you know, we move around, things happen. There are people that I used to know that I don't know anymore, but that's the point. I don't know them. 
I don't know what's going on in their life. I don't know what their kids are doing. I don't know how they're feeling. I, I just found out the other night that a person that we knew I used to work with uh, ha- has had cancer for the last number of months. And I guess she's doing well now, but I didn't know she had cancer. Didn't pray for her, didn't do anything. Didn't know she had cancer. Why? Because we we're not connected anymore. So if you disconnect, you're going to grow increasingly disconnected from God. You're going to feel increasingly disconnected and your, your faith is going to go to other things because faith comes through the connection. And then faith accesses all that abundant supply that's in grace. So it's really important. It's really, really important and, and that we have faith, that we be people of faith. But I just, I really want to get this across today because people tend to turn that into a work that it's like, okay, well then I've got I've to earn this connection. No, you can't earn it. You just receive it by faith. <laughs> and he does, it just starts spending time with God. And no matter how cold you're feeling or how distant or what questions you have or whatever, just start spending time with God. He'll work it out. He's really, really good at it. He's really good at it. But you do have to plug in. And it's not just about church. And I don't mean to make it sound that way, but, you, but that is part of it. It absolutely is part of it. And, but but we got to plug in. You know, we, I bought a, what time is it? Should I even look? Oh, loads of time. I bought a, uh, a new power strip for the sound booth. It, it was a while back, several years ago now, but it was much newer than the ones we had. So this thing was fancy. You know, it had, it could, it could, lightning could come through the roof and hit it for five minutes and it would be like, who cares? You know, it's not transferring anything. It's, what are you, lightning? You know, I mean, it was, it was supposed to be a really good power strip. The only problem was, I don't know what they're doing with power strips now, but this one, they had internally covered all the outlets with really thick plastic. And I mean, I kept looking for some way to, how do you, and maybe there is a way. Somebody might be going, wow, are you stupid? That's really (laughs) simple. But I looked everywhere for, it's like, how do you get that out of the way, you know, without dismantling this thing? I finally got my knife out and punched through them all and shoved the, you know, but it was like, it was totally blocked. I think they were just protecting us from ourselves. Here's, a, here's an outlet that you can spend a lot of money on because it's really fancy, but we don't want you to electrocute yourself. So we're not actually going to allow you to plug into the, I don't know what the deal was. But anyway, I finally punched the whole thing through and, uh, you know, had to apologize for my language as I was doing it. But it was, uh, anyway, because, so, so my point with that, what's that got to do with it? Grace isn't like that, okay? You have access. And your sin doesn't cover the holes. You know, your sin doesn't change God. Your disconnection doesn't change God. You can still connect. You're designed to connect. You have a plug, okay? And, and it even, you know, the scripture, that's why I always, you know, it says faith comes by hearing. And we know that that's this generation of faith in us. But then the scripture always says he's given unto every man the measure of faith. And, and theologians will argue until we can all ask Jesus what that verse meant. But I think he gives, I think it's talking about the capacity for faith. He gave us the plug, okay? Plug into relationship with him. Just start going, just start spending a little time with him every day. 
Just start spending a little time with them. Talk to them. You're, you're going to find, read your Bible, come to church. You're going to find that it gets stirred up again and you won't be so disconnected. And, and you'll probably be a lot less grumpy too because when we get disconnected, we tend to, we get frustrated because we're made for that connection. But I just want you to know this morning, it's not a work. It's not like you have to do everything right and then the connection will be there. Jesus did that part, okay? So now by grace, he's, we, we stand. You, you stand. I can't come up with a good enough example of this. We stand in this place of grace. We dwell in this place of grace. But it is faith that connects to it. Confidence connects. So it draws the life into you and out through your life. You become a light for other people when there's faith working on the inside of you. It's just an awesome, to me, it's such an awesome, free, easy thing that he's made for us. But we do have to plug in. You got to plug in. That's pretty much all we need to do. Did you get anything out of that today? Let's just, let's pray. We'll just leave it there. We will leave it there. I have notes stored up for next week. Awesome. Let's stand up and pray this morning. Thank you, Lord. Father, God, I pray that out of all this that was said, Lord, what the things that you wanted to breathe into each different life here, I pray that those things would continue to resonate in hearts and be alive, Lord. I pray, Father, for anybody in this room and other people that we know around us, Lord, people we love that are currently disconnected. Father, I pray, Lord, shame wouldn't get in there and try and block that that access, Lord. Try and convince them that they don't have access. I pray, Father, for just an open door. I know, Lord, you are so faithful. We talked about feeding on your faithfulness. I know, Lord, you pursue us with an open heart. Lord, you come to us. You come, Father, and present yourself to us again and again and again and again. And Lord, we just I just pray that for everybody in this room, anybody who will hear this message, Lord, that, Father, they would find that place in them as you design them of plugging in, Lord, and letting you flow to them, letting all of your life and all of your blessing flow to them, Lord. I thank you for that. And I pray, Father, that all of us, we'd be people who, Lord, because we know this, we're not easily deterred in our faith. We're just not easily knocked off track, Lord. And I thank you for that today. And I thank you, Father, for all these people as they go out into this community. Lord, that they release your life and your blessing everywhere they go. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, we're going to be dismissed on the count of three. We're going to say Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin in the world. And you guys go out there and be the church this week. Okay, one, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Amen. for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.